Welcome to your typical Shona protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kels, and today we're wrapping up Mega March with Eureka 7. First off, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, starting off Mech or finishing Mecha March in April is a true Chad move. Yeah, man. What you know about it being, I don't know, April 3rd and us getting to it. But hey. we're committed. We're four episodes in March. We're doing them four episodes. <laughs> They're just not always in March, and that's okay. Yeah. Life finds a way. It does. Just like it does in Eureka 7. So, Eureka 7, it's basically Groovy Evangelion. What's your take on it, kind of broadly? Um, broadly, I would say that it's good. It um does kind of the same stuff that Evangelion does in terms of like um poking fun at Christianity in some aspects. Um it also does like I feel like it tries I don't know, it feels like it's the weird step brother of Evangelion and Kogias. Like Kogias and Evangelion are siblings, and this is the step sibling. Who you like eventually grow to love, but at first you're like, why are you here? Okay, yeah, because it's got, you know, crazy alien bullshit, and it's got, you know, political drama. Yes. In one. And, you know, definitely comparing Evangelion and Code Geass to this is a very fair statement. But, yeah, it feels like it's in right smack dab discount in between the two. Yeah, but you know, overall, I think it's a, I think it's a fun ride. I think it's really nice that this one is more so underlying a, I guess it's not spoilers to say, more so of a love story. Um, I feel like this is what they tried to do in Darling in the Franks, but failed at. If that makes <laughs> sense, I'm trying to give like spoilers away of what happened, but overall, like it's it's enjoyable. It's just think romance in a mecca war tone anime that's done right yeah definitely it's a whole it's a whole show based around two characters like romance and 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 the difficulties that come with that based on the fact that one is a 14 year old kid and the other is a 14 year old spoilers an alien space coral space coral yes literally that Mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into the fact that she's a space coral, um, one kind of meta thing is the show was called Eureka 7, right? But in the English dub, Eureka the character is called Eureka because it's like the Japanese pronunciation translated directly into English and not retranslated for the fact that Eureka is an English word. Wow. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. Which which really confuses you when you go, wait a minute, how do I pronounce this show's name? Yeah, which uh, was confusing me, like, pre-planning when we were like, what? Or when I was like, what? So, yeah, I'm like, what? So, yeah, it's time to get into Eureka 7 with the Eureka, the space coral alien, and her love story with Renton Thurston, the, uh, the son of the savior of the universe. Yeah. So that's a whole deal. We open, you know, we got this 14 year old boy, just like every other mech anime. He's like angsty teen, having a good time living his life with his grandpa. We find out his dad is the savior of mankind and literally not around anymore. And it's like, wow, that's tragic. Yeah. And do we ever like find out? What I mean, yes, we find out what happens to his dad, yes, um, which it's a whole deal, right? This show is 50 episodes, you know, a long running mech anime. It's um, it could have done with like 36 episodes, just just end it early, but we we got all the way to 50 episodes, we get this whole long running story arc, and we find out what happens to his dad, um, so initially. His dad died uh, to prevent the the death of the human race, 
we don't know what that means right yes we don't know what happened we just know his dad croaked and he's not around anymore to help renton like grow up um and all of that comes crashing down as uh Ereka winds up with the nirvash you know crashing into renton's like house and then sparking our adventure yeah and of course then he like what i was gonna say is like do we ever find out what happened to his mom and i was like oh yeah she died i think yeah i think she just kind of dies man yeah like, she, very she died of birth to him i believe i don't really recall yeah because she wasn't mentioned basically it's just it's just very it's like hunter hunter bro like Gun is so fixated on like finding his gone, not gun, sorry. Um, gone is so gone, yeah. Gone is so fixated on finding his dad that he never really questions his mom. And like, I feel like this is kind of like that, even though Renton is not like trying to find his dad because his dad's dead. But I feel like he's so engulfed by his dad's shadow, he doesn't care about his mom. Well, I mean, and yeah, looking at the wiki, it's definitely, as you said, uh, his mother died uh, giving birth to Renton, you know, due to uh, childbirth complications. So it's like there wasn't any kind of legacy there for him to really have an impact for his mom to have an impact on his life, like influentially other than giving birth. Yeah. And that's a very real thing for, for folks who lose their parents incredibly early on in their childhood that you know you have this figure that is supposed to be this very important role in your life and they're just not there so it is it's difficult to relate to like what what attachment should i place on this individual that is non-existent in my life yeah no 100 percent. so that was one thing interesting about um renton's character or renton ticket tabby was how do you feel about Renton getting in the robot. I mean, I felt like it was. I felt like it was something like it was his decision. So I can rock with it more. So it wasn't like he was. I feel like that was the contrast to the whole Shinji and um, what was the other show that we watched? Um, Gundam like thing. It seemed like Shinji or well, Renton Renton had more of like a, you know, he had more of a choice, I feel like. And he was trying to outcome his dad's shadow because we got Eureka crashing into his house and then setting that shit on fire, which was fucking rude. <laughs> but, like, and he made the choice to, like, chase after her and go into that himself. Like, he he had, like, an actual choice and a decision opposed to our other characters who were just kind of thrown into it. I kind of rock with it, like, because that's what he chose for himself. Yeah, it's definitely a bit more agency. Um, you know, and he, you know, there was a bit of that whole, like, this was your destiny vibe. Yeah. With the fact that um, Axel Thurston, his grandpa, was like, all right, I've been holding on to this thing for literally years. Renton, this was the, the omni to drive that your dad left with me because I was supposed to do something with it. And now is the time. Take this and fulfill your destiny. And to watch, you know, written have the dis, you know, written make the decision to yeah. grab hold of the reins and and take action was really cool. Because a lot of times it's it's not that it's like I have to get in the robot or die, or I have to get in the robot or someone else dies. Yeah, where this was like here here are the reins for adventure. Either you know learn how to be a mechanic and have a you know, a mediocre life or go do something. 100%. And he, you know, he makes the choice to go do something, to go seek out adventure. And that was a pretty dope choice in my opinion. And that's something that I think that, um, I think it was cool to see because Renton is a character where there is, um, where there is like, you know, decisive, like, or indecisiveness because he doesn't want to, he kind of resents his dad at first because he's like, oh, I have to be the shadow of this great person and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, yo, what's going on with this dude? Like, why is he so like this? And he kind of has like blame your dad syndrome. But at the same time, he still, you know, follows like his dad's like example, even like so begrudgingly, like he doesn't even notice it. 
I would say, because of his type of personality that he has. So I don't know if that goes back into that predestiny thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, definitely. Part of, part of Renton's struggle is coming to terms with the like who his father is. Because, you know, and who his father is to him. Because he spends his entire life hearing about this great savior and it being kind of just a fabrication or a story that's being placed on his father. You know, his father did a thing, but like, was it as grand or as, you know, um, as intentional as it is being told to us? And, you know, Ritten's whole struggle is kind of who is my dad and, and like... What is his relationship to me, and why is that important? So definitely, as we see him progress, and as Renton gets more information about his father and his sister and their interactions with people, and towards the end of the show, Renton getting to go and like meet them—they're both dead, but like it's it's funky groovy stuff, man. Don't worry about it. Yeah. To to see him meet his dad is like, oh, okay. Renton gets to get it now. He went through all of this just to get to this point, and he gets to like understand his feelings. And it's it's pretty great. It's pretty it, it's a unique story and kind of the shown in mech plot. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like Eureka 7 definitely has its tragic moments, do not get me wrong, but I feel like it's, at least for what I know now, less tragic. I hear the movies become very tragic. We ain't um, gonna worry about them right now. <laughs> so, but like, what the first 50 episodes were, it was things happening, but you know, it wasn't as tragic yeah. as what we've seen. Which, you know, it, it does get crazy. Like, let's get into that. Um, so kind of talking generally, right? Let's talk about the world and the giant robots so we can get into the other characters. So, all right. The world is this kind of crazy amorphous, always transforming uh, landscape that happens to have within its crust, the souls for giant robots, right? So, you know, we got these scrub corals, which are the aliens, these humans living on the surface, and they find these archetypes, which are just like giant robot internals that get dug out of the ground and get metal parts attached to them, and then boom, you have a giant robot, which is similar to the Evangelion shit, where it's a literal, like, man-made angel with robot shit attached to it to make a giant robot. Yep. Thank God for Gundam just being freaking technology, bro. Like, <laughs> shout out to that. Yeah. No, it, it it was like, looking back at it, I'm like, man, until even Gal... Like, you've got a bunch of your, your standard kind of touchstones with a genre. And, you know, having watched Gunbuster and, you know, seeing the kind of mechanic, like the biomechanical inner workings of that early on, then to go to Evangelion and it's like, oh yeah, that's totally just some armor controlling BS attached to some kind of biological thing Yeah. to get even more into that. But it's like, yeah, they're not their moms this time. It was it was weird, but it was like, okay, I see you, Evangelion. Yeah. What a fucking wild ride. <laughs> but, I mean, it also ties deeply into, like, the whole point about the relationship between the humans and the scub coral, which are the aliens, and their whole, like, symbiosis. Like, that's a whole thing. That's half the point of the entire series. One half is uh, is Renton and Eureka's relationship, and the other half is how humans interact with Scub Corals and their entire history of relationship. Yeah, and that's you know seen as a lens through uh, Eureka and uh, Renton. Yeah, and like the fact that I believe it's being kept like a secret from the world that like the Scub Corals are sentient. 
I think so. Yeah. There's a whole whole grand mystery with the fact that we assume we're on another planet. Humanity's been outside of the Earth for 10,000 years, and the planet they're now living on is not Earth. However, bingo, bingo, surprise, it's just a shell around the Earth because the Skull Coral are aliens that crash-landed on Earth after some kind of space launch mm-hmm. and then begun c- trying to communicate to anything that would listen via absorption. And it's like they finally absorbed everything they could and they realized that humans were the only thing that could talk to them and that would be interesting. So they went dormant to let the humans go live for 10,000 years and now we're here. They're beginning to awaken. They're reaching out to feel how the humans are now via the human-shaped Corallians. Yeah, which is, like, weird that there's so many, like, classes of them. So it's, like, there's the human form, like you said, that were... I'm sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze. Don't sneeze. Don't sneeze. Don't do it. But, yeah, the human-shaped Corallians that are, you know, Eureka... We also have another one that came before her, um, which is not Kaguya. I'm like, yes, everything that came before and has to do with the moon is Kaguya. No. Um, but there was one that came before that we get the whole word with with um, with Norb, which was a fun story. Yeah. Um, and even finding out big old surprise that... Um, the tea dude from the Gecko State was also a human-shaped Corallian. Was wild. Yeah, that was. I don't know. I was like, okay, so <laughs> no one's safe. That's cool. Um, and then like, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm gonna say the purple-haired girl, like, who was a Corallian as well. What was her name? It was Sakua. That's the Sakuga. one you were talking about, right? Yeah, that's the one yeah, you yeah, were yeah. calling Kaguya. Yeah, Sakuga, or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was, yeah, was Eureka's predecessor. And I liked her design. Like, I don't know, I felt like Eureka, or damn it, Eureka was, like, I don't know. I felt like she had, she was just seemed really plain to me. Like, she seemed like the most plain girl in the... You know, genre until like I like what's that? Yo, that's the whole point. Okay, that's the whole point. But continue, and then we'll just we'll discuss that. Oh no, I understand. Like literally, she's just like like yeah, she's just playing. She has a few hairstyle changes, which are nice, but she's just playing. So you were saying that's that's the entire point of Eureka's character is that she is a blank slate. And her whole experience through the 50 episodes of Eureka 7 is to, like, comprehend what humanity is about. And as she experiences humanity, that is what, like, she takes on. And eventually will take back to the Corallians, to the subcoral, for them to make a decision on if humanity is worth, like, I don't know, letting live. So her being plain Jane blank slate is entirely the point of her character. The my, my the only real issue with that becoming boring, which is very real, is the fact that this show runs 50 episodes. So mm-hmm. we get to spend so much time with her just being boring. Yeah, which I feel like is, you know, I feel like she was definitely an attempted Ray. Like direct inspiration from Ray. Um, no, honestly, honestly, half this is this is groovy Evangelion. Yeah, go say it again. You know, <laughs> but I feel like where she falls short from being Ray is Ray had that like Ray was endearing. Not that I'm saying Eureka. Wow, not that I'm saying Eureka is not endearing. It's just that Ray had that like she came off so like stoic and kind of like assholey in Evangelion. And then as, like, it progressed, like, when she saw, I got a pilot of this fucking robot no matter what. Like, you know, if you won't, I will. 
bruised damage and all that. And she had like this, like she had so many like dimensions, like, but like, I think it's because like you said, like Eureka is trying to be like, you know, non-partisan to, is that the correct? Yeah, sure. Um, but trying to be non-partisan of the human so she can absorb it. That's where she's like kind of lost for me. Did that make sense? I think because we have so we we have two sides of the story, it makes that kind of standoffish individual um less interesting. Cuz I would say she, you know, she's in the same boat as Ray, you know. Um where at the vi- she's different, okay? Their their stories diverge. They start damn near the same place. Mm-hmm. Ray and Eureka start at the I am just going to, I have no idea what's going on in this universe. I'm just going to do as I'm told. With with Ray, that has to do with, um, what's his bucket? Gendo. Gendo, yeah. That has to do with Gendo and his weird ass being like, all right, I will recreate my wife that will go fight the aliens for me. Yeah, that's Gendo's whole vibe. Mm-hmm. Whereas Eureka's like, I... Don't know what's going on, but I have uh, Adrock Thurston to help me learn how to pilot the giant robot, and I have Holland to help me go murder people, murder civilians, just because I can do it and I don't care. But we, the the whole point with Eureka is that we see her begin to grow a conscience, begin to grow and learn and care about things like when she went and killed all those people, but then saw those three children and had a, like an epiphany that killing children is wrong. You know, mm-hmm. um, definitely the, the growth could have been better paced to make it more interesting. And that, that comes down to a lot of it with this show. That's probably my biggest, uh, issue. You know, I, I'm very nostalgic about Eureka 7, but definitely going back and watching it now, I'm like, man, if you cut some episodes, I don't know what episodes, just cut the episodes, we could have got here more interesting-like. True, true. I agree a lot with everything you just said. And, <clears throat> yeah, it's like Eureka's character is that regimented character and that's part of you know the bond that happens with Renton she is able to like convey like you know she's able to she comes off pretty emotionless and as the story goes on we see her bloom and have emotions and learns how to deal with like those failures and regrets and complexities besides just being like you know like a I won't say like a dog but she's like very like loyal and like yeah I'll do what you need me to and then she becomes like everything else. And then at the end, she becomes a butterfly and they kiss. The end. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for week seven. Um, but no, definitely. Definitely. She feels as though she's a doll um, until the point where she grows um, and then begins to become an actual fucking alien as she turns into a butterfly, as you had described so eloquently. Um, yeah, I know it was crazy. Um, but you know, Renton being this, this coming of age story and Eureka being this coming of age story, but like as an alien, mm-hmm. they were a match made in something, but, uh, I think their kind of relationship to fit well for the pace, for the, for the, the plot of the story, um, uh, to have both of them have to grow and learn was interesting. I agree. Now, they came out of, um, you know, so they are part of Gecko State, which is this kind of terrorist organization uh, that is trying to spread the truth of what's going on against the military um, to kind of really not let the humanity come to a, a burning, dying end because of uh, Dewey's, Dewey, Dewey's um, poor decision making. And of course, the Gecko State is led by Holland. Holland Novak. Yeah. Who is just the biggest asshole. Basically. Like. Like. Go on. He's a complex asshole, but he's still an asshole, I guess. Um, 
Because, like you said, he's the leader. He's a cool figure. Blah blah blah. Um, but he's also like very, like immature in the fact of his jealousy and how easily angered he is, and just the whole way he treats Tahoe is just the whole thing that upsets me about him in general. Like she is in a, I don't want to say a beast relationship, but a manipulative relationship. I don't know the exact a toxic relationship is. I think what I said earlier, very toxic. That's the word. Yeah, definitely. Between between that and the way he treats Renton, just haul ass. Like, we see at least three scenes of Holland just punching the shit out of Renton mm-hmm. for one thing or another. And it's like, man, what the fuck? Holland is not a good person. Nope, not at all. And and it and it's one of those things. You listen to his backstory and you see the whole situation and you're just like, and nobody's okay in this show, but like, still, you ain't gotta punch the shit out of Renton, a 14 year old kid, just because of one thing or the other. No, 100%. Like, and honestly, I, I gotta say, I, I kind of just, I kind of could have done without him. I know he had to be that antithesis, like, he had to be the, I wouldn't even, I don't know, I don't think we've had a character like him in any of the other mech shows where like we've got a douchebag on our side you know like i mean he he reminds me very much of the captain of uh mobile suit gundam oh, so yeah. the the captain of white base is like all right shit i have to take i have to be in command now and like we see the kind same kind of situation um you know when amuro is like yo i'm not gonna do it and he's like he slaps the shit out of him. He's like, you're a soldier now, chief. You're going to do what you have to do as a soldier. It's that same kind of vibe, but we get it less personally. We have less stakes with Amaro. Yeah. Just because of the, the storytelling at the time. Yeah, where Holland is just trash, honestly, if I got to be real with you. And and I think... Go ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I think they do a nice job with as this kind of event progresses... That the rest of Gecko State's state is like, hey, Holland, calm the fuck down. Like, you're supposed to be our leader. This is this is immature. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, nobody likes it. Yeah. And nobody stands up other than like Talho once. But nobody like goes out of their way and is like, Alright, we're not gonna let you punch the truth out of him. But um, you know, they do speak up. Which I think works. Yeah. Um, now, of course, Holland's whole Holland and Talho and a number of other characters are go. They are AWOL military members of the SOF, which is like this kind of elite fighting force, and they're the ones who had responsibility of Eureka when she was piloting the giant robot. Mm-hmm. They're also the ones who were responsible for. The Ciudades de Cielo tragedy, which is where they roll in, they blow the fuck up out of the uh, Vatarak kind of holy city, and then Ereka kills a bunch of people and then realizes that she can't kill three children she saw with her eyeballs. Like, that whole yeah. event was very important. The Vatarak are people who are, you know, kind of a religious group who are being blamed by the military for being terrorists and there are a sect that are you know militant but that's not the whole group but they're all being blamed for it it's a it's a whole deal um which we also get to see the impact of the Vodract with like norb 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 so norb is the 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 Vodract monk Okay. Who um, is this so person we're like episodes. we're searching for we're searching for norb but Norb is the guy that was the kind of partner with the other humanoid Coralian, which is Sakuya. Yeah. And in this kind of whole deal about Sakuya and Norb trying to become one, they're going into the zone, which the zone's this whole psychedelic crazy mess, and Sakuya disappears, and but then implants a compact drive inside of norb's body and norb is like yeah it's crazy man a human fall in love with a a, a corallian 
man. Good luck. <laughs> but definitely, a Holland Toll experience with, with being a, a, a former soldier and then now being the leader of a resistance group and then still dealing with his military past and growing beyond it is his whole story arc. Yeah. Like, man, I'm just not remembering how that girl turned into like a fucking flower and <laughs> just, I'm sorry. Like this was, I don't know. It was, it felt like, you know, I can't talk because I love Evangelion. It's one of my favorite anime. Um, but I feel like a lot of stuff in this was done just to be like, what the fuck, you know, like, Give that what the fuck factor. Not like a... Because, I mean, I'm sure there's symbolism in her turn to a giant flower and erecting the burial. But I'm like, was this really necessary? Like, was it? I don't know. Man, I'm just I'm just so mad that you hit me with this should turn into a flower. Like, okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think, again, not that this is like... Uh, one of the issues for this, for me, is that it's 50 episodes... And yeah, don't get me wrong, honestly. Gundam was 50 episodes, uh, Lelouch, Go Geass was 50 episodes, but I feel like, I don't know, man, when I look at these modern day, like, mecha anime, like, again, you know, I gotta bring up 86, like, the amount of that story and depth that was told in 23 episodes was done so well, and then Evangelion, the first part being told in, like, 26 plus the movie but i mean you also count the rebuilds i don't know but still it's under 50 <sighs> right and it just feels like so much stuff like gets dragged out through this and like so much unnecessary stuff is like just in here but if you have like what was that anime i was telling you about the sangria sangria the flower sure yeah the flower of sangria or something like that which is something that I always confuse this with. I think it was like 12 episodes. And it was a pretty, like, it wasn't, you know, anything to really write home about. But the story was wrapped up pretty well. Same thing with All Noah Zero. I think that's 25 episodes. And that's a war-torn mecha anime. And that's, like, handled pretty well in 25 as well. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we had too much time in this is basically what I'm saying. No, definitely. Um, and it for me, it feels right at the end. Right at the end. You know, it's like we spend 12-ish episodes. It's just like, all right, we got Renton and Eureka to the to the Earth, and we're going to trust them with saving the universe. And then we spend the same 12 episodes on the surface world just going, we're going to keep beating up the military while Renton and Eureka have relationship drama, and one turns into an alien, and the other does some stupid shit, yeah, it was. I, feel it. I don't know, but yeah. Now there is one care like in all this, even the side characters for me kind of kind of fill out the whole vibe, right? Because we got the rest of um, Gecko State. If I can find that tab I pulled up, um, you know that kind of fills out and makes an interesting Moon Doggy and Gidget, um, Matthew and Hilda. Um, you know, jobs, the, like the one guy we see in the engine room one time or like very little, you know, kind of filling it out. But also in, you know, to episode 25 ish onward, we have this whole relationship with Charles and Ray Beams. You remember yeah. these guys? Yeah, now I remember Charles. So they are freelance LFO pilots and they kind of come across Renton as he's left the Gecko State. And it's like, all right, kid, we'll take you on as our son. You know, fuck it. Yeah. Until they find out all of the shit with him be with with Renton being involved with the Gecko State and Charles and Ray being on a mission to target them. And it's like the happily ever after that could never be. Yeah, he was a Charles Beams was a Giga Chad. And like <sighs> Yeah. May I say Giga Chad. I agree. I agree. <laughs> like he was. And the fact that he had to like he became an antagonist is something that like kind of really upset me. 
because I was like, okay, because he's technically a bad guy, but he's honorable, respectable, and loyal. And, like, he's one of the reasons where Renton's like, okay, like, I have to grow, I have to respect. He makes a good impact on Renton. And the fact that he's a bad guy and Holland is a good guy, I don't know. I just, I really didn't. I think that- like, I understand no, what they were doing with that, but I kind of, I don't know, I didn't like it. I felt, I'm okay, I didn't dislike it. It just was very upsetting as a viewer. Like, I understand storytelling-wise, I'm like, cool, that's great that you have to learn from your enemies and there's this disconnect, and I love that. But, like, you know, I'm still like, great. We got Holland, and they got freaking Charles Beams and Ray, and we got Holland. Which, you know what? I think that's my whole point of the reason why I love this shit. Because, yes, absolutely, Charles is this good man. He treats Renton and his wife so well. But he's also an enemy of Gecko State, who is trying to save the world from, like, being murdered, right? So, definitely, this kind of conundrum about the de- like the decision and actions of a good man versus a bad cause, you know, and it being the, the inverse of Holland, as you said, Holland's an asshole, fuck Holland, Mm -hmm. but he's working on as best as he can, which is not all that great, but it's, it's, it's working on saving humanity with the humanoid Corallian, because we find out later on that Norb, like in, in Ciudades de Cielo, like, Norb was like, hey, man, I'm going to just deactivate your shit and show you the power of the universe, and you are going to take the humanoid Corallian and save the universe. Mm-hmm. That's the mission. And we don't get to see the mission the entire time, but, like, to know that's the stakes, that's the whole point. And, yes, it's not It's not fun. It's not fun to see Charles... Um, not be the one that gets to be the positive male influence on Ritten's life. Because he's so good. I, I love Charles. But uh, yeah. I also love that the the battle that comes down to it between Charles Beams and Holland. When when Charles and, and uh, Ray infiltrate the gecko. Yeah. And that whole scene with them and her reaching for the ring was like i don't know man i was i was still pissed they died but well the scene where she inadvertently she didn't cause his death because if i remember this correctly because again this was like what 22 episodes from i can't i don't remember when i watched it's around episode 27 yeah this was a while ago for me (laughs) um but I believe, like, she, she like, inadvertently caused his death, right? Like, something happened no. where... No, so, like, she's infiltrating and doing a bunch of tech stuff while Charles, like, Charles is chasing down Holland. And Holland, it, and it basically comes down between Charles and Holland. Or, yeah. So I don't think she caused anything of the like because she took out the the systems, but then they brought them back online. Yeah. At the end of it, it was just mano a mano between Charles and Holland. And Holland got the upper hand. Gotcha. And then by the time everyone got there, Charles was dead. Um, So when she blew him up disrespectfully, um, you know, Holland was well... or. uh, Charles was well long and dead, but, um, you know, then Ray goes crazy and then we have another adventure, but no, man, when for me, it definitely the whole point with, with Charles and Renton and Holland, it's like you have the rifle, the rifle that Charles uses. It's a bolt action rifle that, Mm -hmm. you know, is him taking his hands and taking action even if it's it's villainous, but it's him and his his decisions. Um, you know, for for Holland to pass on this rifle in the Nirvash as something that he may need 
um, in the event of something going wrong and then something going crazy. So the scene towards the end of the show where Renton finds Charles's rifle being put in the nearbosh and then it turning around because um, the three children, let's talk about the three children shortly. Um, but the, one of the three children, Maurice finds the rifle and is like, I'm going to shoot you Renton because mama doesn't need you. That was wild. Yeah, that was, that was weird. That's why I don't fuck with anime <laughs> kids. Um, but no, right, let's talk wild. about these three kids. Let's talk about these three kids. Okay. So I hate them all. Oh, <laughs> but <laughs> so the three kids were, I'm trying to remember we had, I forgot their names. I was like, give me like 36 seconds. Okay. 36 seconds. Their names were Maurice and <laughs> like, I know Maurice, but I'm just like, what was the rest of their name? It was linked, linked and Mater. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. And yeah. them three children that are one looks white, one looks black or Indian, and one looks Japanese. Yes. Um, and they are all the three children that happened at the Ciudades de Cielo, uh, where Eureka was like, blah, blah, blah. And then she realized there were children yeah. underneath the pile of corpses and was like, I can't kill I'm them. I'm your mama now. Yes. Yes. They got adopted by Eureka. And did they do any more than that? They were basically a pain in the ass for Renton until they realized that he was their daddy. Yeah. That's about it. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. I thought I was missing something, but yeah. No, I didn't and like them. No, honestly. Um, you know, like to be fourteen with a with a mother of three sounds like somebody we know. Oh, um God. however. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> however, um I kind of liked that especially the like the ending scene or the post credit scene where it was them three kids with Axel Thurston. Renton's granddad. Yeah. And he's like, he's uh, especially the scene with Maurice and them just all going on about their business um, where they're sitting at the diner and they're, he's like links. Uh, um, Maurice is like, granddad, are we a burden to you? Granddad's like, fuck you kid. We're eating big burgers and big burgers are a sign of family. It's like, Oh God, yeah, that was so nice cute. <laughs> No, that was a nice scene. I will say that. That was a that was a good scene. And um I don't know. I feel like that was one of the things that was used to convey family as well was the like there was kind of like a found family aspect in Eureka Seven as well. Yeah. And you know, um Richard never had like his dad, but he did technically have his grandfather, so that should have been okay. But um what he gets from the not the Gekke Mori, that's literally one piece. Um, but the uh, gecko, Gika, gecko beta, Keta? gecko state. Yes, gecko state group is even with like Holland's dysfunctional ass. They're all kind of like a family, and I feel like they help him like come out of his like kind of douchebag, not douchebag, but kind of like secluded shell that he was in in the beginning when like his classmates and everything, and he was like they don't know and blah 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 like the gecko state helps him you know save eureka and it's like we've all saved eureka together but not really and i'm gonna love you you butterfly woman and butterflies symbolize change and eureka changed we see her cry we see her express emotions we see her you know somehow have a green arm but <laughs> yeah, still not sure how that happened. Um, I don't know, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. So, but no, it was right. it was nice. Um, Dim Children and Resident State Island. Yeah, that's good enough. We'll, we'll we'll call it there. Uh, two things. We'll wrap up shortly, but I want to talk about this being Studio Bones production. Yeah, man. Studio Bones does not play with this. Like, 
I mean, when we look back and see what Studio Bones, that's like for 2005, this was clean, man. Like this was absolutely freaking clean. And the fact that this just came from the same time as, well, no, Eva, or not Evangelion. God, what is the name? Um, Full Metal Alchemist, yes. The fact that this came from a studio that did Full Metal Alchemist, but five years earlier is wild to me because this has some beautiful okay. animation in it and some scenes. And not that I'm saying, you know, Full Metal Alchemist is bad at all by any means, but there was definitely Brotherhood and Full Metal Alchemist are definitely different. I'm going to say yes. that. Yes, definitely. And bro, th this is, this is so Full Metal Alchemist was 2003 to 2004. Oh, okay. This was 2005 to 2006. This came damn near immediately after that yeah so there had to be some production like you know overlays so i wonder is that why the ochi full metal kind of looked the way it looked again not saying who it was knows, bad was it who knows yeah but i mean we got some pretty solid stuff from city of bones after like around the same time we got this we ended up getting um or on high school, I didn't know they did. Or on high school club, house club, yeah, That's crazy. Um, but we also, you know, we got Sword of the Stranger, which I don't know if you watched that, but that yep. was a good movie and that was animated pretty well. And then right after that, so like two or three years after this finished, we ended up getting Soul Eater in Darker Than Black. So it's it's like like I feel like the start of the Renaissance for Studio Bones. I don't know, man. They've been on it forever. They, I don't think they've stopped. So that's exciting. Yeah. But honestly, looking at their backlog from this point forward, it's you know, it's kind of one or two in the early years, one or two animes uh, per year, depending on the situation. But we get to 2014, and it's like six productions. 2015, it's like five. So definitely, like as, as they go on, 2011 is really where they pick up. A couple more than two as they go on man it's it's like all hands on deck it's it's pretty great yeah we and gotta, it's interesting to watch the progression of studios yeah we got to do that studio bones one eventually um but yeah no we got like blood blockage snow white and the red um hair like my hero i can't believe my hero has already been out for like almost eight years what the actual fuck um, My Hero is a Studio Bones production. Yeah, you're not. I didn't. I thought we had talked about that before, like during the overall. We fight. might have, but I right. I don't fucking remember, man. Yeah, no, Studio Bones, Mob Psycho <laughs> too. They're both Studio Bones. Bro, that's what a wonderful canon. <laughs> yeah, no, like then stuff gets done. So, I, man, I gotta watch the. Eureka Seven High Evolution movies, like even though they're no, you absolute don't. ass, but I need to watch them. I mean, that's the same same thing as saying you need to watch Full Metal Alchemist like the movie Conqueror Shambhala. Like, no, Chief, you right. no, you don't. You just need to watch F Brotherhood. <laughs> so I thought Eureka Seven movies like further the plot. Do they not? I don't know, man. That's a problem for next March. True. True. But uh, overall take on Eureka 7 and its impact kind of on mech, mech anime in your mind? Uh, in my mind, it's hard to say, honestly, because when I think of the when I think of the goats of mech anime, Eureka 7 isn't really there, but it is like kind of, you know, right underneath that. So I would say overall, it's it's definitely good. I would give it probably like a solid, like a B, like a low B. Um, not that I'm saying it's bad or anything, but it's definitely... The hard thing about mecha anime is when I compare it, there's so much. Like, I just recently watched Kogias. That was astounding. Like, we just finished 86. You know how I feel about that. Like, and then... Evangelion as well and I'm like it shouldn't be fair to compare Eureka 7 to these things but these things are also in the mecha genre like and the mecha genre is like one of the elites honestly you got like shonen shoujo like mecha 
like Sanin, like those are the elites. And Ariki Seven is not bad, but it's not at the top for me. Yeah, I feel it. Um, definitely, Ariki Seven's a high B for me. I remember it um, nostalgically. Yeah, surfing Max. Honestly, bro. hell yeah, surfing Max. Where else you gonna get it, man? Writing um, your name on the moon like some fucking love shit. Man, <laughs> that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> The power of love, but what the fuck? Um, but no, definitely, you know, it. it I, I remember it fondly. I had a really good time, but it dragged on so long, like a lot of this shit does. So it's definitely for me, it's a high B, you know. Um, I love it, but objectively, there are things it could have done better. So I think, and especially like leaving this franchise alone, just leave it alone, let it be done. But they didn't do that. So next March, we get to experience what's going on with Eureka 7. Oh, no. As they continue it. Uh, but that's assuming we make it to next March. Who knows? Damn. Find out more. <laughs> got dark. You'll, you'll, you'll keep it on, man. You'll, uh, you'll take care of this project. Uh, yeah, sure. I believe in you. Um, us. I believe in us. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you can catch us on all your podcatchers. We're talking Spotify, iTunes, Amazon podcast at uh, your typical show protagonist or at uh, Twitter at your TSP. Got you guys stuff too? Yes. Go find me at Static Dreads and make me not have 38 followers, please. 1738. Um, and of course, you can catch the other product as well uh, on all your podcatchers or Instagram, Spotify, uh, or YouTube at Content Breaker for all your Western and Eastern animation needs. We'll catch y'all next week for more Your Typical Shonen Protagonist.